This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Welcome to another edition of the TSN MMA Show. I'm your host, Aaron Bronstetter, joined as I am each and every week by the former welterweight champion of glory kickboxing, the voice of glory kickboxing, the, the entrepreneur behind Bazooka Kickboxing yep. Gym, BazookaTraining.com. He's Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Yeah, you said uh, voice of commentary and glory. I haven't felt like I haven't commentated forever, so I feel like I forgot how to do that job. So I'm hopefully uh, we're getting back soon. But yes, I am all those things, and hopefully more in the future, Mr. Bronstetter. Well, how I'm hoping doing? I'm hoping to see more glory events in 2022. A full full slate, hopefully. Yeah, I, I'm confident in it. We just need uh, a few more of these international travel, and you got to think our all of our stuff is in Europe still, and it's a little bit tighter than the U.S. So we'll we'll be there. We'll be full force. You know, we have Alistair Overeem, Badr Hari, you know, hope, um, rumors of Gokan Saki. I don't even know if that, uh, so we're pretty good. Yeah, I heard that Gokan was thinking of going back. That would be great. Oh, yeah, that would, he's been one of my role models to watch since the start. So to, to be able to call his fights now would be something really special for me. So we had something of a busy combat sports weekend, uh, headlined, uh, of course, with the, uh, the UFC event. You had the Korean Zombie. Uh, defeating Dan Ige in the main event via unanimous decision. Um, you know, a fight that the scorecards might have been a little bit closer, you know, depending on how you saw each round. Uh, I saw Ige winning the first round and I believe it was the fourth round. But uh, I, might have, I might have actually given Zombie the fourth round. I can't remember. But either way, Dan Ige looked good at times in this fight, but it, it seemed like the well-rounded game of, of the Korean Zombie was able to win out. Yeah, I mean... I, I just felt that there was a little bit more of an experience with the zombie. He was kind of more patient, used his range. I don't know. I just thought EK just didn't do enough for me. He didn't push it enough. He was waiting too much on singles. He needed to to push and, and put a little bit more output. And for EK being such a big favorite going in, that was really surprising to me. I think he was like almost close to a minus 200. No, it was minus 135. It was a lot closer. Yeah, it was a lot closer than that. It was almost it was close to even money for a lot of it. And then Dan, the money started to come in on EK towards the, uh, the fight night, but it never got that high. Uh, that being said, I, you know, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying. I think Ige, uh, probably could have, could have thrown a little bit more, could have thrown more Big power time. shots, but at the same time, I just think that the Korean zombie was really mixing things up and that's what threw Ige. I think Ige was looking to get into a, a war with, with zombie and that zombie came with a little bit more of an intelligent game plan. Yeah, but I think it's Ige's responsibility to almost get Zombie to get into that war a little bit. And I mean, and I think it's really easy to entice him. Like all of those types of fights we've seen the Zombie in, like you can pull him in pretty easily. And to do that, he just needed to just throw more in combination. It's, it's really frustrating when guys just throw in singles. So when you start putting your combinations together, that's when I think the fun like back and forth brawls that the zombies uh, used to happens out. But yeah, it's it's more about combinations uh, from Ige if you wanted to steal that fight. Yeah, so we'll see what where Zombie goes from here. Uh, he has uh, some great wins on his record, but when he came back from serving in the Korean military, this is what his record is. He beat Dennis Bermudez in the first round. I believe he was an underdog, actually, in that, that fight, his return fight. Then he lost to Yair Rodriguez. I can't believe that fight was almost three years ago at this point in time, two and a half years ago. But, uh, of course, he was beating Yair in that fight, and he lost at 459 of the fifth round. So, uh, you know, I think his resume is a little bit different if he gets that win. Knocks out Renato Moicano within the first minute of, the, of their fight. Knocks out uh, Frankie Edgar in the first round. Then the loss to Ortega, and now the decision win over Dan Ige, his first decision win since April of 2010. Hey. I'm sorry, no, that was a decision loss. Same. His first decision win 
since August of 2008, where he beat Michihiro Omigawa in deep. Wow. Omigawa, so a former a, dream veteran. So that's his only win by decision in the UFC. That is his, yeah, that's his first decision win in the UFC. And how many UFC fights has he had? Not that many, surprisingly. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten fights. That's still quite a bit, but yeah. you would think more for, for how long he's been, right? Yeah, he only has one decision win and one decision loss in the UFC. All other ones finishes. And that's as a featherweight. That's yeah, pretty impressive. Yeah, big that's finishing impressive. rate. Win or so win, big finishing rate. Where does he go from here? What, what would you like for him? Uh, well, let's pull up the old rankings. That's always where I like to look. Uh, for the Korean Zombie, there's a lot of great options, of course. It's the featherweight division, so you can throw a dart and it'll land on somebody. Calvin Cater would be a good one. I like that yeah. uh, that idea. Josh that Emmett. Fun. Josh yeah. Emmett uh, would be a solid uh, a solid one. Uh, I know he called out Max Holloway. I, I think that would be a fun fight, but I'm not sure if that's what they would want to do with Holloway next. I think it looks like they're going to reschedule Yair versus Holloway because they've now named the main event of the card that they were supposed to fight on is now going to be Islam Makhachev against Thiago Moises. So okay. there was rumors that uh, Giga Chikadze was offered Yair for that, and I guess that, that didn't end up coming together. So, uh, But yeah, I think that the, the Korean Zombie, that's probably... Uh, uh, there's also Edson Barboza. I mean, that would be an awesome fight too. There's Giga. Yeah. If you want to give Giga a, a big step up and see how he would do against the Zombie. Yeah, I saw, I'm seeing his options. name there. Yeah, Barboza sitting at nine on the rankings. Surprising. Yeah, I mean, he... He had that loss to Dan Ige that was kind of controversial. A lot of people thought that Barboza won that fight, so he would have been ranked a little bit higher. But uh, Ige didn't move uh, after uh, in the rankings after this particular event. So uh, I think that goes to show how much respect people have for Dan Ige. Yeah, I mean, if, if you want to look for top five for Korean Zombie, maybe it would be a nice almost uh, return fight with for Kelvin, mm -hmm. you know, from that little layoff now, you know? But that, I but guess yeah. that would align in, align in terms of timetables. I mean, you'd have to do it towards the end of the year if you wanted to book the Korean Zombie versus Cater. Yeah. But I'm liking this featherweight division regardless. It's so good. It's so good. Look, from from 1 through 15, it's such a great division. Yeah. It's probably the, the most stacked when it – I mean, when you think about it, from – if you take the – I guess the records, the experience of, of all the top 15, you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's just – What's what's awesome a close lineup. second for you? Lightweights? I think lightweight, probably. I mean, bantamweight looks great also right now. Uh, and 170 is sneaky good. good. If you're, looking at, if you're yeah. looking at just like from top to bottom talent, 170 pounds is really stacked. Yeah, that top, I mean, seven is crazy. And just the top 15. I mean, at, even if you go beyond that top seven, so the top seven is you've got obviously Uzman's the champion. you got Covington, Burns, Edwards, uh, Wonderboy, Luque, Kiesa, and then... Jorge Masvidal at seven, but then even beyond that, you got Magni, Bilal Muhammad, Jeff Neal, Maya, Li Jing Lang, uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio, Sean Brady, Muslim Salikov. Like that's an awesome top fifteen. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty sweet to see uh, Sean Brady kind of sneak his way in there, eh? At, at number fourteen. Yeah, he. Looks and I think good. it's well deserved, man. He's that kid's going to be Kevin Lee. Ooh. Yeah, yeah that was and announced a couple weeks ago. And Kevin Lee's staying at 170 now. Yeah, it looks like it looks like Kevin right? Lee is going to make his home at 170 pounds now. But that's an interesting. Uh, so that's a, that's a very risky fight to accept uh, yeah. <laughs> when you're coming back to 170. Big time. I think Kevin Lee, if he just gets his mind on sh uh, straight and stays focused, like and has that kind of confidence we saw in the, his earlier part of the UFC, he can climb these rankings and put some fun fights. Like 
with his style, like he can hang with uh, the Lukes and the and the Thompson, even like a Leon Edwards would be a tough fight. But I think he's that type of guy who can hang eventually with those top guys, no problem. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at his losses. You got the loss to Charles Oliveira, of course, now the champion. Rafael dos Anjos at 170 pounds. We all know how good dos Anjos is. Uh, Ally Akinta seems to be his kryptonite. He's lost twice to Ally Akinta. Uh, lost to Tony Ferguson for the interim lightweight title, and then before that, no losses uh, up until he lost to Leonardo Santos back in 2015. Yeah. So, uh, you know, his, I think his biggest win is probably you've got Chiesa, Edson Barboza, and, and Gregor Gillespie. I mean, you can toss a coin. But it's funny because those guys are in three different weight classes now. <laughs> you got Gillespie yeah. still at 55, Barboza 45, and Chiesa 170. Yeah, I mean, Chiesa, man, I, I couldn't believe Chiesa it was a lightweight. And to see how big he's he is huge. now, he's massive. Like he went from like a, to me like a, a pretty big, I don't know, media average size lightweight to a huge welterweight. He's massive. He has I'd had be a really on Ultimate Fighter this week. I would like to see how much he weighs outside of camp. Well, I can tell you a story. Um, there was a fight. I can't remember which one it was that I was covering, and uh, a lightweight pulled out of a fight. It was a big fight. I can't remember which fight though, but. Uh, a lightweight pulled out, and uh, they needed a quick replacement. And I walked up to Chiesa in the back, and I said, hey, if they would have offered you that fight at 55, would you have taken it? He goes, I mean, maybe, but I weigh 192 pounds right now. <laughs> so, yeah, and this is him still fighting at lightweight. when he was at lightweight. So yeah. I'm guessing at welterweight, he's, he's in the probably a 210. Yeah, it's, it's guess, crazy. 200. And this is why I think it's funny. People always look at me, I guess because I might look bigger on uh, video when I'm sweating and hitting, but they're like, man, you should fight light heavyweight. I was like, I woke up at 198 pounds. Do you know how big Kamara Usman walks around? He's bigger than me, you know, all year round. Even when he goes into the ring, he's probably bigger than 198 pounds. They're huge, man. Like, that's when people try to tell me, it's like, I can't even compete in my own weight class in the UFC being undersized. Imagine... uh, I know middleweights. Like, I used to train a guy, Rob Thomas, for, for Glory, who's actually fought Israel Adesanya in Glory. The kid was walking around 215, 220, ripped, big. I was like, that's, that's a, it's a huge jump, and I just don't think people really understand. So when people do jump up a weight class, it's, that, it's really that impressive to, to be able to jump 15 pounds of muscle. So those guys that jump between two weight classes, that's, that's, that's really impressive. Joe, I've like, stood I mean, next to you, and I've stood next to John Jones. That's the difference between a 205er and, and somebody who's a welterweight is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, but even walk beside, you know, someone like Paulo Costa, even Kandanier, you know, the other one that like the smaller guys would be like, I I see Gaslam, and I'm like, I'm bigger than Gaslam. Oh, it seems even like Nisha Sirkinov is a small 205er, and he's a lot bigger than you. Oh yeah, but like Gaslam, I would be like, yeah, he's smaller than me, but. All these other guys, man, they're huge. Maybe Whitaker, a little bit bigger than me, but just they're huge. How tall are you? What, 5'11"? I'm about just over 5'11". Yeah. yeah. So Whitaker's about 6'6", six, 6'1". Six, six, so uh, Whitaker's probably a very similar size comparison to you. He's a guy that fought at 170 yeah. that now is at 185. and I mean, but I, I still think he'd probably be bigger than you. Yeah, and I, I, I for sure he is. Yeah. Yeah. And then so you look at some of these, yeah. these bigger 85ers, and some of them are just huge. Yeah. I think what middle the big difference to me from a welterweight to a middleweight, you get a lot in height. Mm-hmm. I find a lot of the guys like Kobe, Burns, you know, Edward seems pretty tall. Thompson not so bad, but when you look at the like Izzy's huge. Izzy's probably what, six three, six four? Six three or six four, yeah. 
You know, they're they're big boys. Even Candonier's probably six two, six three. Look tall and but lean. But I stood like... next to Izzy and I stood next to John Jones. Yeah, but and, massive. And the difference is so huge. John yeah. Jones is a massive guy. Like I, I don't huge. think people understand just how big John Jones is unless you're standing next to him. Yeah. I, I, I mean, like I remember standing next to him and interviewing him, and and he's this is when he's uh, doing media to promote him versus Reyes, and I, I stand, I'm standing next to him and I'm just like this guy, like I don't understand how this guy makes 205. He's just a monster, yeah. huge. And then I spoke and to Reyes height. afterwards, and Reyes is probably like a legit 205er. He's not very big. He probably doesn't cut much weight, and there's yeah. a big difference. Yeah, hmm. yeah, height makes a big difference. It's just that presence. Uh, this really adds to things. Like even when I fought uh, my my title fight with Mark Debont. I'm way thicker than him. My legs were bigger. Like I knew I was more powerful, but he was tall. And just looking up, I'm like, man, you're huge. But it's just, it was just the illusion. It was a feeling, you know. Like even when I fought Holtzkin, like he's not bigger than me, but he just felt because he's a little bit taller. They feel bigger. How tall is the, was the bond? Six two? I would say probably yeah, around there, six yeah. one, six two. Yeah, so it's a, it's a bit of a difference, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so. What else do we have to talk about? I want to talk to you about Anderson Silva this past weekend. So. People, I think, misunderstood when I, when I tweeted out after the fact. I basically said it was unfathomable that they would give Anderson De Silva a decision in Mexico at Julio Cesar Chavez's event over his son. Yeah. Yeah. And people were like, why aren't you giving Anderson any credit? And it's like, no, no, Anderson deserves yeah. all the credit. It's boxing that, doesn't, that I'm taking credit away from. Because boxing, yeah. if you box somebody in their backyard, the, basically the assumption is that you are going to lose that fight if it goes to the scorecards. Am I right? Like, am I, am I correct on that? Yeah. 100%. Yeah, like even when Canelo fights, I'll be like, and it was a close fight. I'm like, Canelo, no, there's no way Canelo's gonna lose. You can't. I'm like, it's it's Mexican boxing. How big of a who his dad is? No. Yeah, well, no, go back and watch Canelo right. versus Austin Trout because I think that that's the one where it was open scoring, and I think it was in San Antonio. So it was like at the border. But I was watching. And I was like, Trout's winning these rounds. Like, I don't know what's going on here. And like, I I should pull up what the scorecards were. And, and a lot of biased commentary when Canelo fights too, right? Because he's the money man, right? So Austin Trout versus Canelo. Let's, let's see if I can find this fight. I'm just curious what the scorecards were here. Um, am I thinking of the right fight? Was it against Canelo? Yeah, okay. So we lost by unanimous decision to Canelo. Um, it was, I'm trying to figure out what the scorecards were here. But uh, either way, it was just it was a really close fight. I thought when I was watching it, but it was because it was in San Antonio. Like the the scorecards are like just yes here. Canelo wins controversial decision. It was one fifteen one twelve one sixteen one eleven one eighteen one oh nine. Like that's yeah. how far apart the scorecards were. <laughs> but it was a really close decision. Yeah. Be because when you go into boxing and you're boxing on someone else's turf, there is a home advantage. Yeah. So. Yeah. So and I, a lot of money on the line in those those main event boxing fights. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially when you got someone like Canelo involved. So, I'm watching this fight. I'm watching it, and uh, I'm like, well, Anderson's destroying this guy. It's not close. Um, and you know, like you can give you can give Chavez a round or two here or there, but as soon as it goes to the decisions, I'm like, okay, well, they're going to give it to Chavez Jr. Right? Like I, I had yeah. no, like the the amount of embarrassment. That there must be for for Chavez Jr. at his dad's event to lose a decision to a guy who's hasn't boxed in whatever fifteen years or whatever it's been for Anderson Silva, who's a forty six year old guy. <laughs> I know he's a legend, and I know Anderson. All of a sudden, everybody's like, "Oh, Anderson! Anderson's a legend. One of the greatest strikers of all time. Why are you taking anything away from him? He's still forty six. Yeah, he's still forty six years old, and has and hasn't won an MMA for some time. 
for him to go into Mexico at his dad's event and beat him that way, it's that it must be the apex of humiliation for the Chavez family. Yeah. Am I wrong was on it, this? No, I would say so. But what, what didn't his dad say he wasn't taking it serious? And like, but that's been his son his entire yeah, that's career. Been, that's been the whole thing that's, with his son. That's been his whole, you know, like dad's a huge superstar and his son probably didn't grow up with that hunger that dad had, you know? Like it you're it's uh what's that line? I, I I'm a butcher it. Like that that pajama, like it's uh once you the, it was the, the con sheets? Yeah, the yeah. silk sheets. Yeah, line, you, yeah. you know, like it's it's a it's a big factor okay. to it. All right, but be that as it may. How many decisions do you think that Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. has lost in Mexico to a non-Mexican boxer, if you were to guess? <laughs> well, uh, now, um, I, it's going to be extremely low. One, let's say. One or two. Prior, like prior to Anderson Silva. Yeah, one or two probably. Okay, well, let's go take a look. So, well, What's his record first? His record, his boxing record is 52-6-1. And, one. and so, two okay. of those are knockouts. So he's into four decisions in his career. Into four decisions in his career. Yeah, including Anderson. That's including Anderson. Yeah, about two. Okay, so this was a loss. What? What's? So what is this? This is. So is this a decision loss? What's TD mean for result uh, in boxing? I'm not a big boxing guy, so I'm sure. TD. Yeah. MD is majority decision. A technical decision. Technical decision. So that must must be what it is. So he lost a technical decision to. Mario Abel Cazares, who's Mexican, so let's that one, we'll scrap that one from, from. Yeah, does it count? Okay, Daniel Jacobs was in Phoenix, so that was not in Mexico. He lost and he retired, so that wasn't a decision. Lost to Canelo in Vegas by decision, unanimous decision. So we went the distance with Canelo. So let's, yeah, like, let's put that, that out there. Um, all right, so he retired against uh, Fonfara. That was that was uh, in L.A. or stop? Oh, yeah, in Carson, California. Um, he lost a unanimous decision in Vegas. So let's keep going. So he has never he has never been to a decision. So he's never lost a decision to a non-Mexican boxer in Mexico. Yeah. In yeah. his career. Yeah. And he's barely been to any decisions as is. So for yeah. him to lose that is like that's why I said it's unfathomable. Yeah. It's crazy to yeah. think that they that they wouldn't give him that fight. Yeah. And and the way Anderson was doing it too with some flair and flash and the one time when he was slipping those punches and then he's like you know, come on now, you know, yeah. calling him on. It was vintage yeah, Anderson. He put on I a had show. so much fun watching that fight. Yeah. Because Anderson, like when I was a fan of the sport before I started covering it, Anderson was my guy. Like I, yeah. when Anderson Silva was fighting, it was an event for me. Like it felt, as soon as you heard DMX go up on those speakers, you heard the, the, yeah. the you know, it's dark and hell's hot. You're on your feet. You're ready. Yeah, you're ready to go. And yeah. then you just felt something, like something special was going to happen. So to watch Anderson kind of in vintage form like that in boxing, where we've been seeing all of these mixed martial artists get their get their butts handed to them in boxing by YouTubers and and whatnot, yeah, it felt good. It felt good to watch. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, and but, I think, but the boxing people are always going to be like, oh, well, Cesar Chavez Jr. is a joke, and everybody thinks this exactly. guy's a clown, and blah blah blah. And sure, maybe that's true, but at the, at the end of the day, he's still fifty two six and one, and a former legitimate champion in the sport. Yeah, and and the thing with Anderson, and that's why, like, that's why he is the goat in, in a lot of eyes, because like, even to me, he's got to be one of the best. To me. If you're an ultimate martial artist, you're in mixed martial arts, to me, you should be able to box, you should kickbox, 
uh, you should be able to, you know, I, I, you should be able to adapt. And that's kind of what I kind of take my martial arts philosophy, like Anderson Silva. I feel like I could box with a professional, kickbox with a professional, you know, I can do Muay Thai. So he can do everything at a high professional level. Yeah. And that's what makes him so phenomenal, you know, like, and, and he's jujitsu and like, like put him up against like great. Chris Camozzi in glory or something. It'd be awesome to watch. Yeah, it would light people up. And I mean, even those subtle things that he does, man, like um, I think everyone, uh, the big talk was, oh, his up jab, that jab that he was landing. It was beautiful. That's like, but that's an experienced boxing jab versus a high guard shell. And he was just on. He was sharp. He was loose. Like if you're fighting a boxer like that, you probably would be tense a little bit. But he was slipping, moving his head, hands down, Philly shelling, like just smooth style, classy, like just the stud all around, man. Mm -hmm. absolutely but yeah like so what i was trying to get at was not to take anything away from anderson it was just that basically like it doesn't get any more embarrassing than that for caesar savez jr it just like yeah. it, it, that's that, that's the pinnacle of embarrassment and it's not because of how good or bad anderson silva is it's just you can't lose that fight like you're going into a boxing match at your dad's event in mexico like you have to be terrible to lose a decision in that in that circumstance yeah. i mean what do you think i already hear anderson's like calling more boxing now. This is it. This is well, his. Jake Paul said potential. we'd love to have you box Roy Jones Jr. on our card. Yeah, I mean, sure. I think that that's always been a dream for Anderson. Yeah, and I think he he beats him too. But I mean, those would be more exhibitions at that point, right? Because yeah. this was an actual this sanctioned is a pro fight. Boxing map. Yeah, this was a pro boxing fight. So yeah. I don't know. I mean, if Anderson's winning pro boxing fights against guys that are ten years younger than him that have boxed their entire life since they were in diapers that have been champions, like, well, let's see what the guy can do. I'm interested. Yeah, it would honestly be cool, like a little bit to. I don't know. I'm curious to see how a lot of these UFC guys box like that. I mean, that's why I, it'd kind of be fun to see some UFC boxing in there, where a lot of guys cross over, or or even like a, a UFC kickboxing or something. Like it'd be fun to have guys to be able to cross over and do stuff like that, but within the UFC promotion. Yeah. Random. Random like, future thought. Like that's in the future. <laughs> no, it's mixed martial arts. I think the UFC would rather but... have their own guys fight in their own promotion. I guess that's basically one FC that I'm promoting. So well, they, yeah, well, one they do the kickboxing, yeah, they do. But the, no, but boxing in itself, I think there's there's a little bit more. Like uh, if you're a, a celebrity, you're more willing to do boxing than you're going to do kickboxing or MMA because they feel like it's safer. You well, know, it's safer. But in MMA, like you you could just get humiliated in ten seconds, right? Like if you're fighting anybody with any sort of MMA acumen, they could just take you down and like throw you into like a heel hook and like yeah. tap you immediately. One right? second, yeah. I'm At just least trying to get Robinson, he can look good so. for like a round or two against Jake Paul before it gets totally flatlined. Yeah. Oh, the cool thing was uh, about uh, Game Breads. I didn't know that Game Bread uh, started his own organization, yeah, but it's it was MMA bare knuckle. It was MMA right? bare knuckle. Yeah, I didn't yeah, realize I didn't it was MMA bare knuckle until I started watching it. I was like, okay, I like this. Yeah. So that was that was interesting to me because I was like, that's basically what old school Valetudo was, right? That's what MMA came from was basically open hand strikes. I don't know if they're doing open hand. I didn't get to watch it, but that's what MMA started with. Was it's not just bare knuckle hand. MMA there's, there's this too? Yeah. But uh, yeah, oh, I mean, hey, if I was hands? if I was Demi like, and Maya, that's what I would do. I'd go into that. You you fight all these guys that are like looking to box you with their bare hands. <laughs> you yeah. can take them down with no gloves and just like cling onto them and tap them in seconds. Yeah, I mean, it was. I, I would like to go back and watch it. I heard uh, the main event was. Uh, was it? Uh, it's no longer Crazy Horse. What was it? Yeah, it's now Ch Charles Felon. Crazy Horse. Bennett. Charles. Does now, is it name? Charles Felony Bennett? Charles Felony Bennett, Felony Felony Bennett. Bennett. Uh, and, uh, against Jason Knight. Knight. Hick Diaz. Yeah. Yeah. What was that? Submission, right? Yeah. I think uh, submission finish. But 
yeah, that's kind of interesting to me. And like, I'm going to keep my eyes open on that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, watching that next event. Robin Black, our colleague does the, the, the yeah. commentary for it. So kudos to Robin for uh, making, mm-hmm. uh, all events better when he is involved. That's it. Uh, all right. What else we got? We uh, we have a card this coming weekend. Uh, t- it's a uh, Cyril Gon taking on Alexander Volkov. This is a fun one. I'm I'm really looking forward to this one. And you know, Gon looked great in his last fight, uh, and he didn't get enough credit for it when he fought Rosenstrike because it wasn't the most interesting fight. But from a technical standpoint, I mean, that was that was a, about as good of a performance as you'll see. Yeah, and it's just that uh, it's kind of like I'll say it, he's a he's a, a lightweight in a heavyweight body. He kickboxes well. He uses good movement and distance. He's not your typical I'm going to stand there and try to knock you out kind of guy. Like he'll pick you apart and. He's basically a, like a John big Jones. boy that yeah a big boy I was gonna say who uses his kicks well mm-hmm. you know like that that's that's really good and we don't really have a a heavyweight in the UFC who kicks a lot right who would be a, a known for their kicks as a heavyweight you know you got Derek Lewis puncher Francis Nagano yeah. puncher uh, Stipe Miocic puncher Daniel Cormier was a puncher uh, no one was a real kicker and you can go back old school like uh, Crow um, Cop <laughs> um, I'm thinking of uh, um, oh, Pat Barry was Pat another Barry, one yeah, of those yeah, big, big low kickers. Even Czech I'm Congo trying to think even older, though. I'm trying to think older. My my mind's uh, Pedro Hizel. Pedro yeah, Hizel, Mr. Yeah. Low Don't Kick. Don't get low man. kicked by that guy. Yeah, Pedro Hizel's low kicks were the nastiest. I mean... So I mean, we don't have heavyweight kickers, so it's nice to see a guy who who's a technician with his kicks as well. And Gon's low kicks are uh, are very devastating, and you know that's kind of how he chips away at his opponent and take, takes the front leg away from them. Yeah, but you can also say the same with Volkov being a technical striker, but mm-hmm. more with his boxing probably, right? But isn't it more boxing and front kicks yeah. or but not? Yeah, he's yeah. got that. He's got that that nice front kick up the, the middle. He's got really sharp boxing. Yeah, he's gotten so, he's I mean, gotten really good over the years, Volkov. I, you know, if Volkov's record in the UFC is kind of deceiving, like it's, I don't think people give him a lot of credit. But uh, although I remember after he beat Overeem in the last one, people were like he should get the next title shot. Like well, you just watched an event now, and like and suddenly this is, you know, like this is this is your mentality. But but I, I know mean, the problem I is Volk- his resume isn't great. Yeah. Like if you look, this is his resume in the UFC. Timothy Johnson, shout out to Timothy, he's fighting for the uh, Bellator uh, interim heavyweight championship on Friday. Uh, yeah. Roy Nelson, Stefan Struve, Fabricio Verdum, Greg Hardy, Walt Harris, Alistair Overeem. You're not really getting a lot of prime guys there in terms of his wins. And then, of course, the loss to Derek Lewis, who we almost beat in that fight, if not for the last 10 seconds the of that fight. Second, yeah. And uh, Curtis Blades, yeah. who we lost. He's, a, he's technical. He's a good striker. I think I, I, I think he can hang with Gon on the feet, to be honest with you. I think he'll be able to make it competitive. Um, I think it's going to be a good fight. I mean, from my understanding, I want to check now, but uh, I think Gon is uh, the favorite. He is. Minus 155 favorite. Okay. I think that's probably about where it should be. Yeah, and it's it's. Um, I remember I asked you last time. Did Gon have a, a an imp- like a big impressive kickboxing record before? Not that I know. Of. I think he did Muay Thai, if I'm not mistaken. Or but, like I mean, kickboxing or Muay Thai, like as one because he's only eight and zero. Oh, which yeah, and he's he, fighting. He you know, Volkov's thirty three and eight. Let's see you know, Volkov's got forty one fights. Anything with him for his kickboxing career? He's, he obviously did kickboxing for a long time. Because he's eight, like eight and zero, oh, like it's not a lot of experience for a lot of these guys uh, in the heavyweight division. Yeah, he's thirty-one now, so he's he's like kind of he's in his prime basically. Yeah, he had a thirteen and zero record in kickboxing. I'm gonna okay. name you some uh, some some names. You tell me if these guys are a big deal. All right. All right. Bryce Guidon, have you heard of him? Uh, yeah, he fought in Glory um, Glory Nine. He fought on the card with me. 
Okay, so he he beat him. Yeah, he got knocked out by on that card by Daniel Gita in Glory Nine. Okay, uh, Yasin Buhanem. I think I've I've heard of him before. Have you heard of him? I have. No. His name sounds familiar. Okay, and uh, Daniel Lenti. Daniel Lenti, no. Okay, so know. those are the, those are his big names. There's a Daniel Sam that's that's really big and good from the UK, but no. Why have I heard of this Yasin Buhanem before? Was he fighting one or something? I don't know why his, why his name seems familiar to me. No, nothing nothing here that stands out where I would have heard yeah. of him. Usually, if I don't know them yeah, at that point, they've gone to like one FC or something like that. Yeah, that's or what I thought. Or many years ago, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, gone did, did his kickboxing. Obviously, not a you know not one of those careers where he had like ninety five fights. 13. Not an overeem, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it seems like he doesn't have that many miles on him, which is good too for for being a heavyweight, especially if you've never been knocked out or finished. Yeah. No, he's definitely. Uh exciting i'm excited to see what he does i mean i, I like i said it's the tech no, the, the the technician in him that makes him exciting for me and as a big boy so looks good you know stud sharp seems to talk well brings good person uh like a like a not i wouldn't say big personality but he brings like a friendly smiley personality which is nice yeah he learned uh he learned english pretty uh recently and he's really good at it I tried yeah. to get Volkov to speak English from me yesterday, but he, uh, the, his, his translator said he was too, he was too lazy to do English today. <laughs> I've, I've seen Gone twice. We actually shared a dressing room in TKO. When Malcolm's last TKO fight, I shared a dressing room with him. Uh, what was what's the coach? Fern, Fernand, Fernand Lopez. Fernand uh, Lopez, yeah. He was in there. And some of the other, uh, Damien Lupier, I think. Dan, what was uh, his Damian name? Lapalus. Lapalus, yeah, yeah, he was in the room with us. But, yeah, it was cool to see how they warmed up and kind of good strikers for MMA. So it was nice to, to, to see how they were warming up and stuff. You have Lapalus com- confused with Lupin, the uh, the French crime show. The that's French on, uh, crime Netflix. show, yeah. yeah. I know. I started trying to watch the second season. It was a little slower this, I haven't, this I haven't season. I haven't started yet, but I'm going to. Did you watch the first season? I did, yeah, Very yeah, good. yeah. It was good. It was good. See, Those, now, uh, if, you, if you shared a uh, dressing room with Lupin, now we're talking here. Now we're talking, yeah. Get some detective detective skills yeah so i watched the first episode of the second season that's all i'm into i gotta get right in now. there yeah i gotta i gotta start that my wife and i just wrapped up a show recently i can't remember which one it was though yeah, there's too many someone asked me the other day like do you remember that show i was like i don't know i gotta check as long as you're like, still just... watching curb joe that's all that's important to me yeah i know i finished that you it's finished, finished okay, now. Good, good, good but it's like i i wouldn't mind like now if it's on randomly it's fun because i remember oh i remember yeah, this yeah. episode you know like now that i went through it from you know, episode by episode. Now it's like I like the ones that pop up. You just got to watch The British Office now and Alan Partridge, and then we're good. We can talk. And then we're good. We yeah. can have some conversations. Yeah. There we go. If right. you haven't seen The British Office, you got to watch The British Office. Okay, that'll be next for me then. Yeah. The, the American I'm actually Office looking for can one now. Even though people seem to like The American Office better, but they can be ignored. It's The British okay. Office is where it's at. So it's better than Steve Carell? Yeah, it's quality over quantity. Okay. All right. I, re- I respect it. I'll watch it. All right, co-main event, Tanner Bozer, minus 185. Ovin St. Preux, plus 150. Bozer taking the fight on three weeks' notice. Didn't get any sort of training in because he was in quarantine when they called him to take this fight. He was quarantining when returning to uh, uh-huh. Edmonton. And now he wants to get that bad taste out of his mouth from that Latifi loss where he lost a round on the judges' scorecard despite Latifi landing one significant strike in the round. Yeah, I mean, I like Bozer. You know that. It is, uh, I just hope he can get back on his winning ways. I mean... I mean, I think they kind of like uh, he showed a lot of good promising early, then they kind of pushed him in. But I think with the, the right fights and uh, with building up, he'll he'll be good. I feel like Bozier is going to get a, a finish in this fight. Like just from talking to him, you can tell that he's 
A, well, I said to him, do you wish you would have been, you would have put your foot on the pedal and really tried to get a finish over Latifi in the second round? He goes, he goes, I try, he goes, I've had my pedal, my foot to the floor trying to get a finish on that guy. It's just Latifi is tough. He's like, I give yeah. that guy tons of credit. He's like, I did whatever I could to try to finish that fight. He's like, I, I've got no, he's like, I've got no regrets. He's like, yeah, yeah, he did yeah. everything he could. Latifi's yeah. a horse, man. He's a big dude. And he's, yeah, his, like, his, he's got a lot of, a lot of heart, heart to finish. Yeah. The first thing you look at when you see Latifi, and like my my thing when I looked at someone when I fought them, the first thing I looked at is is their legs. Are their big well, legs? Look at their glutes. Don't do like, that with Alir because he'll blow yeah, you away. Yeah, and I was like, like that's like they're massive. So I'm like, that's a guy. Like look at Francis Nagano's hamstrings, his quads, his glutes. They're massive. Like that's a strong person. Like if you see a sprinter, you know how big and strong. So you know how athletic and strong someone is based on their legs, their hips, their glutes. And so when I look at now bringing it to OSP, he's one of those guys that has those huge yeah. big legs and big mm-hmm. power, you know, player. so yeah, former linebacker. massive. So, yeah. I mean, he's got that big size and, and that heavyweight. I think it's a, I think Bozer's in for a big scrap, man. This can be a good one. Latipi looks like one of those guys you could like tie a rope around his waist and he'd like drag trucks up the road. Oh yeah. <laughs> like a, like a bull, seriously, yeah. like a straight out he's bull. He's like a human like, bull. Yeah. He's thick. a huge guy. Just like steaks slapped all over him, you know. And Bozer's are just like a Monster. big, big Canadian heavy. It looks like he cuts down trees, kind of thing. Yeah, I was listening to one of the other shows. They're basically calling him uh, like the most Canadian guy ever. They said, you know, like He's you know there. that Bozer guy, opening, the most Canadian guy ever, with his, with his missing tooth, missing tooth. Yeah, yeah with the, the mullet, the the personality, the the way he talks, and I mean that's why I like him. And like, he represents Canada well, you know. I'm with you. Um. So another good fight, uh, Andre Feely against Daniel Pineda. I like that fight. Uh, Rione Barcelos against Timur Valiev. That's a great fight at bantamweight. Pineda's still doing the damn thing, eh? He is, yeah. Do you, you know, I Swanson cornered recently. against him. You know, I cornered uh, Antonio Carvalho wow, against him. A long time ago. WEC yeah. probably, right? No, it was, was UFC. Japan. It oh, was UFC. UFC Calgary. And that fight, Antonio's got a really good snapping left kick. So all camp, we work snapping left kick to right straight. Snapping left all camp over and over and over what does antonio drop him with left snap kick right straight boom drops ega got the finish that was probably uh pineda but yeah but the the emotion was just insane like that was antonio winning in in calgary in front of the cheering and i got my shout out with him and joe rogan so it was just a huge uh it was huge huge fight for antonio probably like 23 at the time or something um yeah probably around there i was just i don't even know if i was in glory yet i think just I, going I into glory the date. hang on it, it'll be right 2010 there. maybe against uh, yeah, it was 2012 no, 20, july 21st 2012. 2012 yeah just before i signed so with glory been, hey, you still we were in what 27 or something right at that point in time um 1985 born yeah so 27 there you go so you weren't that young it's yeah still pretty cool Definitely yeah very so that, cool. yeah but yeah he's Did still doing it ever fight after the ufc uh, I don't think so. No. No, they fought no. Elkins and then he got that yeah, bad, after Darren that bad split decision loss. Uh, no, it was uh, it wasn't a split decision. It was a TKO. Oh, he oh he got he got TKO'd by controversial though. So he um Antonio got clipped. Oh, I remember he boom. wasn't out. I remember he was dropped and then he it was a flash knockdown basically. Yeah. Boom, got jo- and then he quickly gained consciousness and then started going. But at that time, uh, uh what was that? Uh, yeah, but I'm trying to think who the ref was. French referee. Yves Levine? Yves Levine, yeah, stopped it. Go. 
But then uh, even in uh, even in the back room, Dana White came and I even have video of Dana was like, don't worry, we'll bring you back. It was a, it was a flash knockdown. Don't worry. Then Antonio got the papers after Dana White coming into the change room and saying, don't worry, we'll, we'll get you yeah. another fight. You know, Dana probably didn't remember. <laughs> yeah, probably. probably does that to everyone, you know, in every change room. Well, I mean, it's usually the matchmakers that make those decisions anyways. Right. They probably just like, hey, we're going to cut this guy and this guy. And he's like, all right, cool. Uh, what's for lunch today? Yeah. What's what's now? You know? Yeah. But that. It was one. Of, it was it was a cool experience for me to see. That was one of the first times at the biggest levels that I trained someone like so specifically to do something, and it worked out perfectly. And I saw it in like prime time, so it was beautiful. Yeah, that's well. That that must feel great because that means your strategy. It worked. Yeah. 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 Uh, what else we got? We got Nicholas Dalby against Tim Means. That's a that one's got. Uh, that's a recipe for success right there. That's a fun fun fight, and th- and it came together kind of last minute because both of them had opponents drop off on them. All right. Um, Tim Means, yeah. Tim Means is just mean. I actually <laughs> that's, that's saw him fight in. I saw him fight. Uh, he fought my friend in Vegas, Ricky Rainey. Oh yeah, at yeah. the Ultimate Fighter, and he beat Ricky Rainey. Tough, tough, tough. I would not want to fight that guy. Just yeah, sticks to you like glue. And Nicholas Zalbi is pretty tough too. I mean, that guy's got heart for days, right? I mean, Jesse Ronson got a win over him. I yeah, that was knocked been... knocked him out, right? Yeah, I uh, no, cho- well, he knocked him down and then choked him. And out, then choked him out. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I, I think that's been over- that was overturned to a no contest, but. Dalby's Dalby's looked good since uh, returning to the UFC. I know he had a really uh, tough bout with like alcoholism and uh, and depression for for some time, and took some time away from the, the the sport, and has come back clean and you know looking good. So good on Nicholas Dalby. I'm I'm uh, I'm a fan of his for that reason. Now I have a question for you, Moicano. What? How did he go from basically wasn't he number one contender? At he was one up point? there because yeah, he he was uh, the. Uh, back the uh, backup to weigh in for, I think it was Holloway against Ortega. Yeah. So what what's happening? Like the, it doesn't seem to be even in ranked. Oh, because he moved up to 155. So. That, that's okay. This is his first fight here. This is this is his third fight now at 155. So. Oh, okay. So okay. quite the resume. I mean, he he comes into the UFC, wins three straight, one of which was against Jeremy Stevens, loses to Ortega in a fight that he had won the first two rounds of. Uh, decision win over Calvin Cater. I mean, we know how good Calvin is. Submission win over Cub Swanson in the first round. Again, we know how good Cub Swanson is. Then back-to-back losses, but it's against Aldo and the Korean Zombie. Then he decides to move up to lightweight, beats Demir Hadzovic, who I believe is also on this card, in 44 yeah. seconds. And Hadzovic is a, t- a tough guy. And then he loses to uh, Rafael Fiziev in the first round uh, at UFC 256. But I think Fiziev has a really bright future. He's probably going to be a yeah, top 10 ranked guy one day. Yeah. So I mean, he's he's as a he has you know you know has not lost anybody that is not uh, a championship caliber or pot you know with Fiziev maybe a future championship caliber type opponent. So interested interested to see how he does uh, here against Jay Herbert. I think this is his fight to lose. Yeah, I'm just now looking at the prelims. The prelims are stacked too. There's some interesting fights for me. Okay. I mean, Continue. Um, I would say um, uh, Michelle Pereira's. I can't say Pizarus. his name. Pizarus, when was yeah. he? When was his last fight? Well, he got suspended by USADA, I think, for two years. So this is his first fight back, I believe, from that suspension. That's interesting to me. I like uh, Warley Alves has big hype behind him. Well, he, he did, and I think he's he, gotten it back. Did, but did how many he got because he, he, he was huge, and then he got, he got. Did he get knocked out bad in, in his last one? Well, the problem is he's been up and down, up and down. No, he actually had a great win. He was a big underdog against Munir Lazez in his last one and got a first round knockout. Yeah, because I remember his last fight being like incredible. Yeah, that was a great fight. It was, uh, I think it was a co-main event. It was in uh, on Fight Island against the guy who trains in Abu Dhabi. 
Yeah, I just remember it being really exciting. Yeah, that was a great, uh, great performance. And that was against the short notice opponent, Jeremiah Wells, uh, is stepping in on short notice. That's going to be a, a scrap because both those guys are the guys that are like first round warriors, like guys that are going to bring it in the first round and then bring kind of the slow heat. down. Yeah, and even the 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 curtain jerker there. The the Demir versus Yancey Medeiros. That's a great fight. Yeah, this is this is one of those cards that has a lot of like kind of sneaky good fights on it. Yeah, I just remember I like a lot of times I have to go by face, but and then you have to fill me in. But I remember Justin is as Justin Janes. Yeah. Did he have a good, uh, a good performance at the time? Well, Janes Janes was one of those guys that kind of got a short notice fight, and he beat Frank Camacho in forty one seconds. Came in, looked great. And then um, this is his second time. But then time he's in. lost three in a row since then. He lost to Gavin oh, Tucker, okay. Gabriel Benitez, and Devontae Smith. Tough, tough opponents. But okay. uh, he's looking to bounce back here. This is this is a good bounce back spot for him. Um, Charles Rose is a good, good, you know, tough opponent. But I think that they, those, you know, he's the type of guy that he's going to have a lot of opportunities to beat. Well, uh, we've got to keep an eye on this one. Uh, it's a, and this is an early card, by the way. Yeah, right? one this is what you need to remind people. Yeah, yeah, because I was checking the time and I had the, was planning to do something on Saturday. I was like, let me just check the time, and then I realized it was an early, early yeah, night, end around which 7 is good. O'clock. So yeah, if you have main card night, 4 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah, all right. If you have plans at night wraps up around seven o'clock. Although I expect the for the fifth, the uh, main event is probably going to go five rounds if I had to guess. But uh, it's also good because the of the European audience, like Cyril Gon and, and Volkov. I mean, you want those audiences to watch, and they're about six, seven hours ahead. So if it starts at whatever six thirty, it starts at around twelve thirty, you know, the times that, that all the big fights start. All right. So now my question goes to you. The weekly question: How am I making my money this week, Aaron? What's my bets? You know, I haven't done my picks just yet, but okay. looking at it from a preliminary uh, perspective, I like the fight goes to the decision in the in the main event. I actually like gone by decision, which is plus uh, I think it's like one one ninety for gone by decision. That would be. My my pick for that fight, I like Bozer by KO, is plus two sixty. Wow, that's gonna okay. be one of my picks. Um, I like uh, the Wells and um, the Wells and Alves fight. Does not start round two. I'm gonna wait for that prop, or uh, or I might take Alvi wins round one at plus two hundred. But uh, I might just take the under. I don't know. I'm I'm looking at basically the fight not going that long. The under would be what like a round and a half. The under one and a half rounds would be plus one fifteen. So I like okay. that. And I also like Julia Avila inside the distance. Um, Avila inside the distance pays uh, around plus 200. So it's not, not a great price. But uh, I, think, I think Julia Avila gets the win. Well, her, her by KO is plus 300. So I like that, that one. Yeah. Might, right. might take that prop, even though it's a, you know, it's a women's bandweight fight. So those can go the distance. But Julia Avila has had like nine fights canceled on her, and she seems like she wants to just beat anybody up right now. So it's, uh, All right. <laughs> mentality makes a difference you know it yeah i'm riding with you yeah except i don't know where avila has been training for this uh camp i know she was i think kicked out of her previous gym so um i don't know what her training situation is so i'm a little bit hesitant on that one um i also like the uh rachmanov prezeros goes to a decision as plus 110 um, i like i like that one as well potentially or i might look at rachmanov by decision i'm not sure yet that's but a decision on that fight? Rachmanov by decision is plus 210. I might like. I might go with that, actually. I don't know enough about uh, Rachmanov. It's his second fight, but uh, he's going to have a really big reach advantage in this one. He's, he's going to be a lot bigger than Prezeros. You know, Prezeros is one of those guys that cut a ton of weight to make 155. He's only like 5'8", five, 5'9", five, right? So at 170 pounds, he's going to be pretty undersized. Yeah. Yeah. 
And like you mentioned height. with height, yeah. like Rachmanov's a tall guy. Yeah, I mean, What's so we'll see. At? Let's see. Shavkat Rachmanov. See what he's listed as. He's only 26 years old from Kazakhstan. Good fighter, six foot one. So he's gonna have a big advantage in terms of uh, height. He's only twenty six. Only twenty six. Ten years younger than, at least ten years younger than Prezeris. He's a sambo, sambo practitioner, coming off a win against Alex Oliveira in his debut. But yeah, Prezeris is listed at five six. He's five six with a sixty seven inch reach. Five, taking six. on a guy who's six one with a seventy seven inch reach. So yeah. we got a ten inch reach advantage and like a five inch height advantage. That makes yeah. a big difference. Yeah, you know the strategies, right? So, obviously, the shorter guy needs to get inside. And sometimes, if you can't keep reach, you're in trouble. So, sometimes there's an advantage being a little shorter. Yeah, Rachmanov also, if you look at his track record, he's beaten, like, a, he has a really strong strength of schedule. And he's a grappler, right? Uh, well, no, he's a grappler and a striker. He's got, he's got good striking. And I think he's been training at Sanford MMA for some of this camp. Because yeah, I, mean, I think mistaken. being a short, stocky, thick guy like him, when you grapple a tall guy and you can get a body lock, you throw them around. Once you put your hands around his waist and you class them together he's you know you've taken anybody for a ride yeah absolutely yeah although i will say that preserves is a tough guy to take down he's like a tree stump right like he's one of those guys that's difficult yeah so uh yeah that that pretty much puts a, a, a nice little bow on uh on this weekend's card coming up I'm trying to think if there's any uh, any other news this week well we've also got a big pfl card coming up uh yeah, that's, on friday that's, as well as the Bellator uh, yeah. card on friday yeah, I'm uh, Pettis. I'm looking forward to see Pettis having to get back um, and win. I mean, they've put a lot of money and investment into Pettis, but I'm I'm one of those guys with Pettis, like ride or die with him because no matter what, it's an exciting fight, and that's what I like about Anthony Pettis. Well, he here's, brings it. Here's the thing that stands out to me. If you look at Lance Palmer, Lance Palmer is an underdog in this fight. In in his PFL career, since the start of the PFL, he has not lost. He went 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 in a row. And now he lost loses his last to Bubba one, though, Jenkins right? in his first fight this season. And now he's yeah. an underdog in his second fight. So he might not make the tournament after basically being undefeated for his entire PFL career. Yeah. Since, since, they, since they went from World Series of Fighting to PFL, I should say. Well, we should also talk about and apologize because remember I said Roy McDonald was going to beat the crap out of. Uh, oh no, no, uh, you don't need to apologize. He did. He, he, <laughs> he, he did. should have won that fight. But any that I was a terrible decision. Rory lost. Yeah, I can't believe that decision. Yeah. What and and even with the PFL, like I mean, I love the idea of them trying to build in the graphics and stuff like that. Like I, I appreciate all the stats, but sometimes it's just too much stats. Well, it's one of a the little stats too is much. Arbitrary. You know, the like, fighter performance ranking rating is like. like what does just, that mean? I don't know where it came from. Who's who's yeah. coming up with it? What's like? I'm sure the information's available, but like it's meaningless. So Tibau beat the champion Rory. Well, whatever the favorite. If and then he's not even in the tournament anymore. He's out because Rory had more points based on his yeah. other points. Yeah, something like that. And the same so, thing happened in to in another fight. There was a guy, I think it was um, Sorty, who won in the light heavyweight division last year. He had a loss and a decision win, and he gets in. But a guy who got a third round finish, who only had one fight, doesn't get in because, like, yeah. because that guy fought two fights. He like, aren't you supposed to be rewarding people to get finishes? Like, isn't that what the whole deal yeah. with the PFL is? Because I know uh, even uh, my boy there, Chris Camozzi, he needed a finish to move on, and, and he, he didn't get to finish. Him. He destroyed. Yeah. So and then next thing you know is, you know, I think Camozzi's out now. 
You know, which Kamozi's sucks. out. Kamozi's out. Yeah. And, but, and Faheha's in. The guy who he just destroyed in that Destroyed, fight. yeah. Oh, and he's, he's in. in. I didn't know that. Jeez. So that's like... Yeah, that's stupid. The PFL, uh, like, I, I like what they're doing. I really do. Yeah. I really, oh, yeah. they're, I they're really trying. like what they're doing. I like that they have a league format. But I feel like there's a lot of flaws in how they're determining who's advancing. They could, yeah. they could shore that up a little bit. Yeah, definitely overwhelming with the graphics and the stats too. Like, oh, and like leg reach, re- arm reach, leg. Like, there's just too many numbers going on. But I don't mind I that do though. I think like leg reach is concept. important. I think it's a, I think it's a measurable that I would like to see more actually. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's like it's giving all these stats that really don't matter, you know. But you know what? They're like, trying things, which I like. I appreciate yeah. them trying things. Um, I, I like that. I like seeing in fight stats. I think that's important. But uh, I, I think, like you said, that fighter performance rating is just like, what, what is it? It's too much, yeah. yeah. It doesn't make any sense. But they Bad have the Verdict days, MMA scores. They, they take the Verdict MMA app, which fans will score the fight, and they show what the fan score is, which I think is interesting. I, like, I did like that. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. They throw in, um, uh, another, is it uh, Jonathan Coachman to do yeah, the, they do the, the, the betting with Jonathan Coachman? and uh, Yeah. I know Coachman. And what's the guy's name? Uh, Ian Parker? Ian Parker, yeah. I want to make sure yeah, I get I met, people's uh, names. I met Coachman a few times. He's uh, good uh, friends and managers of Todd Grisham, so he's been to some glory events and stuff like that. He manages Todd Todd Grisham. Yeah, interesting. So yeah. he's a he's a he's broadcaster a... slash manager. Yeah, and he was with WWE, right? Of course, he yeah. was. Uh, that's back when I was. Where he's known, yeah, that's where he was became known. So uh, yeah, that I, I like this PFL card a lot. There's a lot of great fights on this. So there's the uh, Lance Palmer, as I mentioned, the underdog against Movlid Kaibulayev. Uh, and I should also mention this is on Friday night, not Thursday night like it usually is. Yeah, it's Friday yeah night. that confused me. Yeah, uh, Pettis like Pettis against Roush Manfio. This is an interesting story. Did you hear the story with Roush Manfio and what the deal with that is? No, I have not. So, Roush Manfio, the stepfather, this not stepfather, godfather of his daughter, is um, what's the name of the dude who won last year in the lightweight division? Uh, who just fought last week? I don't know why I'm blanking on it now. Uh, either way. So Manfio was supposed to face the guy who was the godfather of his daughter, who's like his best friend. They were okay. matched up because somebody fell off the card. And then um, what ended up happening was, like, they, they were supposed to, they got matched up at the last minute, which, like, it must be really hard for them because they're, like, they're, they're really good friends, hmm. right? Um, and then what ended up happening was Pettis fell ill and had to get, and got pulled off the card. So the guy that Pettis was supposed to fight ended up facing uh, uh, Natan Schult. That's the name I'm trying to remember. Okay. Natan Schult. So he ended up facing Natan Schult. And then as a result of that, Pettis got moved to face Manfio. So now those two guys didn't end up being didn't matched have to up, fight. which is nice. Huh? Yeah, yeah, that would be terrible. Yeah. So I that, mean, but that's no fun. million dollars on the line, you beat your friend up. Yeah, I guess I guess you do what you got to do. But I mean, <laughs> it's, that's still not, not, pleasant. Not, a, not a good situation to be in. Uh, Dennis mm-hmm. Goltsov taking on Brandon Sales. Sales looked really good in his first fight against uh, Mohamed Usman. He's a he's a two to one underdog against Goltsov, who uh, I think Goltsov is a really strong fighter. I like Goltsov a lot. Kayla Harrison's a minus five thousand favorite against okay. Cindy Dandwa, UFC veteran Cindy Dandwa. Yeah, finishes her. And you know what? That number might not be high enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. at least with this here, you you can you can look at some of the odds. Like what is what is Harris? Do they have a Harrison round one? Harrison round one is minus one ninety. You may as well just throw something at just that. If you like Harrison in this that, fight, yeah. or even Harrison round two plus two seventy five, maybe maybe like basically you're betting on Dan Water survivor round. Like you might be able yeah. to make some money on that. Yeah, I mean I it's just crazy. I mean you got to think of some of the girls like who have, and the women who fought like Cyborg and stuff like that. Like you got to think how tough they are. Like uh, um, what's what's a uh, 
the UFC girl, uh, Spencer. Felicia Spencer, yeah? Fel- uh, Felicia Spencer. Like, she came in, not known, no one knew her, and just goes and fights well, Cyborg. I wouldn't say that. She was a champion in Invicta. She wasn't a total. Yeah, but, it's, but that's a huge gap. It's a huge difference. So the confidence of, like, oh, you're, you know, a uh, BTC champion. Go fight for the UFC champions. It's a huge gap difference in my eyes, you know? And, and you got to really well, fought, think of how impressive she fought good fighters in Invicta. She fought, like, UFC. If, if there is such a thing as UFC caliber 45ers, she fought UFC yeah, caliber 45ers. fighting 45ers. the GOAT. You're finding one of the goats, yeah. you know. She went on I mean? to fight Megan Anderson, like basically the three best 45ers in the world at the time. Megan Anderson, Nunez, and Cyborg went the distance with Nunez and Cyborg and beat uh, Megan Anderson in the first round. Yeah, like incredible to me. Like that, that's incredible. Like, I mean, yeah, a champion, but like there's levels and like you're the confidence to go in and fight one of those. It's like it was almost on, like a little bit of like me with Holtzkin. Like he was the legend at that point, top of the division. I didn't know anything. So it's like those big types of opportunities. Like I really value a fighter who can do those types of things. And Felicia Spencer is one of those. What else uh, do we have to talk about? Uh, for If, if you want to make a bet on this uh, PFL card, take Jamel Jones at plus 160 against Clinton Abreu. That, that's my... Uh, yeah. That's my sneaky pick. Jamel Jones was on that CFFC card. Looked really good. And I think he's improved right. a lot. So uh, that would be my, uh, my suggestion to you if you uh, are looking for action on that particular card. And then there's the bare knuckle, right? We have Paige Van Zant versus Rachel. Is, is it Rachel Ostevich? Is it this? I'm pretty sure. Maybe. Is it? Or is there another I, I, it one? It could be this weekend. I don't know. I know, uh, I know another one of the female fighters that I know. She's on one of the bare knuckle cards. Let's see. Paige Van Zant Ostevich. What's the date of that? Maybe you're right. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess. I know that, oh, no, it says, this, is it this weekend? It's official. Let's see. I thought there's there's some bare knuckle this weekend, though. I don't know which one. Let's see. It's official for BKFC. July 23rd. No, it's not for another month. But there is some uh, there is some bare knuckle on I tonight. I, I don't know which it. one. I think I got. I don't know which one. See if I can pull it out. I think I saw an email from. Let's see. Because I see people posting about these bare knuckle fights, but I don't know which one. Yeah, BKFC 18. So who's on this? So it's Joey Beltran, Luis Palomino, Hector Lombard, Tiago Alves. So some pretty big names. Oh, huge. Yeah. So that's the media workout. So yeah, that's this Saturday at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino near my near my parents' place in Florida. Yeah, there was uh, one of the girls I know. She's uh, uh, Pearl Gonzalez. She's doing oh, yeah. her yeah, uh, of course, BKFC Pearl, former UFC veteran. She she I, she only fought once or twice, didn't she? She fought a couple times in the UFC. Yeah, you sure she did? Hundred percent. I thought like because I was always wondered why she never went in. No, she, Pearl for sure fought in the UFC. How many times I don't know. So she fought twice in the UFC. Cynthia okay. Calvillo and Pollyanna Botelho, and then she went to Invicta where she went three and two. Yeah, well she's. Fighting bare knuckle tonight. Yeah, there you go. Or or this weekend. Um, and we have uh, Bellator, as I mentioned as well. We got the, the heavyweight interim heavyweight title on the line, Valentin Moldovsky against Timothy Johnson. Timmy Johnson, mm. former UFC veteran as well, who's looked great in Bellator so far. Yeah, that's uh, Friday night or Saturday. That's uh, Friday as well. So that's going Friday basically well. head Two to head. Fridays. Yeah, head to PFL. head with uh, PFL. So I'll be watching. I'll have my like, two TVs going for that. There you go. Like any pro should. Yes, that's it. And then, Joe, next week, no major mixed martial arts events. And we not take a week off. I'm going to go up north. I'm not sure if we're going to do a show. we got to discuss that. But uh, Yeah, that's we'll it. Have to see. The world of MMA takes a break. Yeah. Collective collective breath before yes, um, Poirier go. versus McGregor 3 one week later. 
Yeah, they need the. They probably needed the time to set up. You think and to well, to get they, people they excited. They give their employees uh, July Fourth weekend off. So yeah. Dana White goes to his uh, summer home in Maine and you know races go karts around and does all kinds of fun stuff. But, but you think it would be good for the pay per view sales because like oh we gotta wait yeah. all this no, time like, and then they should do that before every pay per view. They should have yeah, a week off the, before every yeah. pay per view. In my opinion, I agree. Get I them. Agree. Get it people excited. It. Yeah, get people, you know, salivating. Get people excited. Get people like missing it, right? Like what you do they is, always say, here's here's my here's my solution, John. Before I keep interrupting you, have yeah. an event on the Saturday and the Sunday, and then take a week off. And then take it off. Fair for yeah. that. I like it. Because yeah. I know they still want to get their events in, but why not do that? Give us yeah, Sunday MMA. I'm, I'm down with Sunday MMA. It's it's just like, to me, it's like. I'm going to give some relationship advice. If you sometimes see your girlfriend or your wife every day, you know, that you lose, you know, that uh, that attention to, the, you know, you don't love them as much. You, you love them, but you, they get annoying. But then you go away for a day or two. You come back and then you love your kids more. You love your wife more. Well, I'll tell it's you, you're 100% wrong on that one. <laughs> yeah, you can't say anything, but it's more pleasant because even if you're away for a day, you miss your partner a little bit more. So little breaks in relationships are good. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this: if you go, if you have kids and, and you go away for a week or whatever, five it's days, not good. and you come back, your wife is like, "I've been with the kids for three days, and I don't want to see you." Yeah, and you, you yeah. are going to be in charge of the kids now for, okay. for three days. Well, okay, maybe one day, maybe one or two days. Then not <laughs> there a week. Go. One or two. <laughs> now days. you're talking. One or two days, I think you, you probably got a yeah. point. Yeah. So girlfriends, it works better with girlfriends, not with wives. So th- th- we'll do that then. Yeah, I've I've uh, seen my wife every day for the last what year and a half or whatever it was since the pandemic started. And I, I still love her just as much, Joe. Yeah, it's not the love. I mean, you'll appreciate it. The word is the appreciation. You'll yeah. appreciate more, you know, when they're not always there. Yeah. Little breaks. MMA is kind of my break when I go and watch MMA because my wife has watched maybe a collective ten minutes of MMA in her in her entire life. So yeah. she she, has she no lets interest. you. But that's it's your work. It's your work time too, right? Yeah, for sure. But I like that. I like I like the separation between church and state. It's a good thing. Me too. I like it. All right. I think I think we're good, Joe. I don't think there's anything else that we uh, we have not touched upon. Uh, we'll uh, we'll see about next week. There's not going to be an interview edition uh, next week. But uh, if you would like to hear this week's interview edition, interviews with uh, Alexander Volkov, Cyril Gaon, Ricky Glenn, and Tanner Bozer. So uh, that's available now. Uh, you can go to bazookatraining.com if you are interested in attending Bazooka Joe's online classes and yep. uh, being part of that community. And uh, I know that's been going well, Joe, and people have been giving you some great feedback. So you can yeah, uh, join that. Awesome. Is there still a uh, is there still a, a promo code? Yeah, we have Bazooka25 right now for the uh, first month, 25% off. We also have a contest, depending on when you listen to this, that ends on Saturday on my Instagram as well as the Bazooka Kickboxing Instagram. You get a free month and some Bazooka merch, and I'm giving away three winners. So if you catch this and listen to it on time before Saturday, get on my Instagram, take two friends, you know, share and have a chance to win a free month on me. There you go. So perfect. If you want to enter that contest, hit up Joe. What's your uh, Instagram account, Bazooka Joe V? yeah, Bazooka Joe V. At Bazooka Joe V on Instagram, at Bazooka Joe V on Twitter, if you'd like to follow Joe and get his and... many opinions on mixed martial arts. He's tweeting nonstop. Yeah, I'm tweeting cr- crazy. Yeah. No, so. Instagram's the platform where it's at. My, my, my Instagram reels are doing well. I'm putting all these crazy combos on. And honestly, the views have been spectacular. One of my pad work clips the other day had like 140,000. It's probably more than It was now, all just so. me, though. I just watched it 140,000. It That's was so it. informative. I like keep it on repeat. I just kept watching know? it. Do that with my YouTube channel too. Just put it on in the background in all your computers and just let it keep playing. You know, I, I value that. So. I can do that for you, Joe. I mean, I just just run it on my TV. 
Just keep it running all day, everybody. That's the key. Help with the, you know, YouTube ads. All right. I like the, I like the sound of that. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. We uh, might be back next week. We're going to discuss uh, whether or not we're going to be doing a show. It'll pop up on your feed if it does. If we are, uh, please feel free to join to uh, go to uh, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get this podcast. Rate and review. Appreciate that. And we'll see you very, very soon. Boom. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.